and pray for her healing. You know, things go along with that fear creeps in, wondering if you'll have another child. And so we just believe that, you know, in Acts chapter 19, it says handkerchiefs and aprons were taken from the body of the apostle Paul when they were brought to the sick and demon possessed spirits left them and their bodies were healed. Best that we can understand that the anointing can be trapped in, in cloth that can be carried that way. And uh, just from our love for Emily and her situation, why don't you stretch your hands out here and we're going to pray over this cloth. Father, we just thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Oh God, you are so good. Seeing down through time, seeing Emily, having such great love for her that you sent Jesus not only to the cross, but to that whipping post where he bore those stripes in his body, was beaten, and your word declares that by those stripes, we are healed. We pray for Emily, Father. We pray that your anointing would saturate this cloth, but even now, wherever she is, God, I pray that the comfort of the Holy Spirit of God would come upon her, your anointing, would come upon her. God, to be a protection to her against discouragement and disappointment. We rebuke any spirit of fear concerning her future and the children that she will have. Thank you, God. You minister to her where she is right now as only you can do. Thank you that you begin to work in her by your anointing even now. But we gather together also when we pray over this cloth that it would be saturated with the anointing and that when it's brought to her body, it comes in contact with her body, the anointing is released out of this cloth and into her body. And whatever needs to be healed, restored, recreated, whatever needs to be done to make her body whole, her reproductive system whole, It'll take place by your anointing. <laughs> we rejoice. And God, we look to a report from Emily when her child is born. We stand against that strategy of the enemy to make her think there's no hope for the future. You are the God of all hope. So we thank you for restoring her hope. God, if she doesn't have that personal relationship with you, let her have such an encounter with you even right now that she knows you for who you are and how much you love her. That she'd be so embraced in your love that there'd be a hope and a confidence and a faith arise in her that no strategy of the enemy will succeed against her. We thank you for it. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good evening, church. How are you this evening? Man, praise the Lord. Thank God for his presence. Why don't you just look at a couple of people around you and greet them. Tell me you're glad that they're here. want to welcome everyone who is joining us online. Uh, we are so glad that you are with us uh, tonight. And... Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have a great meeting here 
Welcome to NCC Sunday night edition. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I just got this text in. They had a salvation in uh, the jail today. In men's, men, men's pod in the jail. And so God's adding to the church. Uh, such should be, should be saved. We're going to get uh, Addison up here in just a moment. We want to receive uh, our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. But um, let me see here. Got to get where I want to go. Just got something that's fun that lets you know... Uh, where your seed goes, and you know, John talked a little bit today about Messenger International, but how many of you remember uh, Muhammad Faridi, yeah. right? Iranian, he's, he's going in and drawing people out, and so um, he sent me this today. We have a couple of pictures. You can put uh, that up there. Uh, there's one. Go to, all right, there's one. Notice his head right there, and then show the next one. All right, and so this is just, this is fun. He sent this. This is awesome. He says, thank you, Pastor Mark, for the cap you gave me last fall. I have led many Muslims to the Lord wearing it. <laughs> also baptized 24 of them, uh, and it was anointed. They're all former Muslims from Iran and Afghanistan getting ready to be baptized, and I'm explaining baptism to them wearing the New Creation Church cap. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so, you know, that's just fun how, I mean, when he was here, he, we, we were up there eating and he saw one of our, our golf caps. He said, that's pretty cool. I said, well, take one with you. And so he sent that back. But more importantly, you're sowing seed into that ministry and uh, Muslims from Afghanistan and Iran are receiving the Lord Jesus Christ and being baptized. Amen. And so your giving is going not just here. I mean, testimony uh, right here in the jail. Someone got saved this weekend. Uh, people gave their life to the Lord, recommitted right here. But it's also going into all of the world. And so if you weren't here this morning, you weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, we want to give you an opportunity to give. If you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you can buy cash or debit or credit card, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. This is for the local church. We'll receive an offering for Addison at the end. Uh, if uh, you have text giving, uh, you can get the number up there. If you're online joining us, you want to get in on the giving, uh, you can go to our website, go to the Give tab, or uh, I think the text number is up there for you. We're so glad that you are part with us, and even so many of you watching get in on it, and, and your giving is going around the world. It's affecting many people, so we're glad that you are joining us tonight. Many of you join us always, so we thank you for that. Praise the Lord. Are we ready, gentlemen? All right. Father, we just thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to give, to enter into this covenant exchange with you. We declare over each and every one, God, the blessings of the word of God. You command blessing upon each of them, that that blessing will come upon them and that blessing will overtake them, that the grace of God will abound in their life in every area, all grace that they might have all sufficiency in everything. They might be able and equipped to give to every charitable donation, every outreach of love that you lead them to. They'll have the capacity and the resource to give into that, that Jesus might be glorified and magnified. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't want to take up, really, uh, the worship was good. All, I mean, it's all connected, but I'm just so blessed. We have had such a, an awesome weekend. Uh, how many of you have been here at least in one service? Okay, I should ask this. How many of you have not been in a service from Friday night until now? Anybody not been? All right, a couple of you. Uh, so get ready uh, to be mightily blessed. We've had a great weekend. Uh, the Beveres have been pouring into the men. They, John poured into us this morning. Addison's going to pour into us uh, from the gift of God that is in him. And again, we've, we've just introduced them. Words really can't explain, uh, you know, how God set up a relationship for us personally. But uh, what I love about it, we're in the body. So when God connects us, it connects us, right? And as we saw uh, even this weekend, uh, Meeker, Craig, Steamboat, Lander, Wyoming, uh, 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 Grand Junction, it connected all of that. And so it's so much bigger than we think it is. God's doing some uh, tremendous things. And, uh, you know, there's just different parts of the body. But we're so blessed uh, to have uh, this gift with us tonight uh, as he's put gifts in the body to equip us for work of ministry. And so uh, it's just a great uh, relationship. I believe it's, it's a divine relationship that it will continue on in, in many ways that uh, we're, we team up to reach into all the world and even into our community. And so uh, we're so blessed. Addison, once again, just thank you for coming. Uh, you've really just poured out, prayed and, and poured out. And so we're expecting tonight. And so why don't you open up your hearts, put your hands together, give a warm Glenwood Springs welcome to Addison Bevere as he comes. Good evening. How are y'all doing tonight? You energized? You're not tired? If those of you who've been going all weekend, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed. It's been a lot. It's been good. But I feel so full. Do y'all feel full? I feel clean, too. Do y'all feel clean? I love what my dad shared this morning. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Um, and I, I just want to take a moment. I know I got to do this with the men, but Pastor Mark, Pastor Tasha, just want to honor you and thank you so much for inviting me into this place. Um, my dad was talking about the power of multiplication today, and that is done through faithfulness. And you two have been so faithful to this place. The way you talk about these people, the way you talk about this place, y'all, it's so easy to take good things for granted. Like, I'm driving through here looking at your canyon being like, this place is one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I know y'all take that for granted. I know y'all drive down that highway and you're not thinking that. I know. So I'm just saying, don't do that with your pastors. I've been all over the world. I've seen so many church dynamics. There is so much unfaithfulness in the body of Christ. And I just, I wanna recommend and encourage you to honor your pastors, honor your leaders. I hear the way they talk about you when you're not in the room. They love you, they are for you. And so don't ever forget that, amen? Because it's amazing what we can do as a body. Yeah, exactly, yeah, clap, thank you. I, uh, I shared this with the guys yesterday, but the only competitive command in scripture is to outdo each other in showing honor. And when we honor each other, we unlock what God places inside of each and every one of us, amen? All right, so I wanna introduce y'all real quickly to my family. This is my wife of 14 years. Uh, John, go ahead and, Pastor John, go ahead and cover your ears. All of you young people, go ahead and cover your ears for a second. Um, I did do some missionary dating, just for the record, flirt to convert. 
uh, my wife. I do not recommend that. Uh, that's not a prescription. That's a description, just, just for the record. Uh, a mutual friend was like, hey, Addison and Julie should hang out. And I'm pretty sure if they do, Addison will lead her to Jesus. And through a pretty crazy uh, series of events, we ended up meeting, uh, led her to Jesus, actually the first, first time we hung out. My dad has the exact same story, y'all. It's weird. And, and what makes it even more strange is my wife's parents were married, divorced, married, divorced to each other. Like, this kind of thing just doesn't happen, and yet it happened to both of us. But she's absolutely incredible. Woman of God, 14 years, and these are amazing children. So anyway, that's my family, and I love them dearly. Yeah. But just so y'all know, I was pursuing God, and God brought me her, okay? Young people, just, just for the record. All right, if y'all could stand for me, that'd be amazing. I'd love to pray. Let's go ahead and stand up. And um, I don't know if, um, I know some of y'all were here, but on Friday night, we, we started this weekend by inviting the Holy Spirit. And it's just a very simple prayer. I would encourage all of you, just put your hands out in a posture of surrender and a posture of receiving from the Father. And I just invite all of you to pray three simple words. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And just keep whispering that. Come, Holy Spirit. My dad shared today, he said, the thing that the Holy Spirit loves to do is reveal Jesus to us. And so we want to invite the Spirit of God because we want to see more of Jesus. We want to follow Jesus. So come, Holy Spirit. There's the constant temptation to do this our own way, in our own strength. Come, Holy Spirit. presence is here. God's presence has always been here. Sometimes we forget to turn, to look, to gaze. Come, Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians 3, verse 16. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, beholding here, it literally means to look again, to look with expectation, are being transformed into the same image, the image of the Son revealed by the Spirit from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Come, 
Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive, to perceive, that are open to what you are speaking. We don't want another message. We don't want just another sermon. We want to encounter your presence. We want to encounter the one who transforms us. Come, Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, that you would speak through me, that my words would go forward and they would do a work that my words can't even do on their own strength, but that they would be energized by you, that they would cut to those deep places, to those places of confusion, uncertainty, lack. I pray that you would go there and you would do the work that only you can do in hearts and destinies and families come, Holy Spirit. Thank you so much. All right. Whew. Man, did y'all enjoy my dad this morning? Those of you who are here. Y'all, I've been, I've been listening to my dad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. He's not here, but yes, love you, G-Daddy. Um, that's, I've now started calling him that because my kids call, isn't that weird? Like, my kids call him that, now I call, anyway, it's a grandparent thing. Um, I've been listening to him speak since I can remember. I mean, I literally cut my teeth on pews in churches. We would travel to churches all over the country. Um, I've watched my dad for 36 years, and I've seen him be the man that you saw this morning. I've seen him live with that kind of conviction, that passion, and it's created desire in me to pursue God and to know the God that he knows, honestly. Like that's where it started for me. And I, I know in this season, there's a lot of talk about revival. 
Amen? Like, we, we want revival. I believe that we're in the first stage of a significant move of God. I, I truly believe that. But here's what I've noticed about talks of revival. Oftentimes, people want to experience revival, but they don't want anything to change. And what I have found when you study church history and you study revival, revival is caused by a fresh understanding of God, a fresh perspective of God, and also a fresh understanding of what that means for us as the people of God. Those two things, a fresh understanding of God and a fresh understanding of what it means for us to be the people of God. Now, Growing up, I had obviously had amazing parents, and I felt so much pressure as a kid, as a teenager, to be my parents. I'd have people come up to me all the time and be like, Addison, you're going to preach like your dad. You're going to do this, you're going to do that. And I'm like, you don't know me. Like, honestly, like, you know, 13-year-old Addison's like, you don't know me. Why are you saying these things? Like, to me, it felt like bondage. Like they were putting me in this box. They were putting me on this pedestal that I was definitely going to fall from. And I started to be very critical of Christianity. And I, I've been exposed to the dark belly, the underside of so many things. I've traveled. I've seen a lot of places. And I started to become critical. And I was like, I, I'm not, I don't want to be one of those Christians. I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to be hateful. But the problem is I loved Jesus. Like I really loved Jesus. And I couldn't deny what I had seen, what I had known, what I had tasted. And I'm like, God, work with me in this tension here. Because I'm really struggling with the idea of what it is to be a Christian. And God used this in my life to set me on a journey that was decades in the making. And I started to ask myself, like, God, is there new language for what it means to be the people of God? And I'm hearing all this talk about the post-Christian world. Have y'all heard that language? It's becoming more and more common. Even the post-Christian world, right? It's been, like, we are so far beyond. It's now the post-post-Christian world. And I'm asking myself, like, have we really given this whole following Jesus thing a fair shake? Have we? Do we really even understand what following Jesus is all about? Is there really even such a thing as a post-Christian world? And I was thinking about this. I'm like, look, if we're going to follow Jesus today, I think we need to figure out what Jesus was most passionate about. And what that means for us here and now. Because there was some validity in what people are saying. Like there was some validity to the, the reasons why I didn't want to be associated with quote unquote Christians. Like I would say, hey, I'm following Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. But the idea of Christian, I was like, oh man, that's a weird cultural term. That really doesn't mean anything because it kind of means everything. And so I really dug in. I'm like, God, okay. I wanna follow Jesus, I wanna be a Christ follower, what does that mean? And so I started studying Jesus' passions, and I noticed 
that Jesus talks about something in the Gospels more than anything else. Did y'all know that? Jesus talked about something more than anything else in the Gospels. How many of y'all know you, you talk about what you're passionate about? Like I talk about my wife and my kids all the time because I'm passionate about my wife and my kids. You have a conversation with me for more than five minutes, I guarantee you I'm gonna bring up one of my kids and my wife. Like it's guaranteed. And so I was like, okay, maybe there's a hint in what Jesus would talk about. Maybe if we align our passion with his, maybe that's how we figure out what it means to follow Jesus in what many are calling a post-Christian world. And so I studied it out, and you want to know what Jesus talked about more than anything else? We got it right here. The kingdom. The kingdom. Now, the enemy knows that this is obviously really important, the idea of the kingdom. So what does the enemy do? The enemy places our understanding of the kingdom into this future state that in many ways doesn't seem to have relevance to our ordinary, everyday lives. But let's just think about this for a second. Why would Jesus teach us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Why would Jesus look at them in Luke 17 and say, the kingdom of God is not here or there in this place or that place. It's among you. It's within your grasp. It's right here. Open your eyes and see what you otherwise can't see. And so I started wrestling with this idea of the kingdom and then God took it further for me. He's like, okay, in order to unlock the mystery of the kingdom, you have to understand what it is to be people of the kingdom. And I was like, okay, so what does it mean to be people of the kingdom? And that's when he showed me that saints are the people of the kingdom. Now, some of y'all are probably like, Addison, I'm barely a Christian, barely a Christian. Now you're talking to me about becoming a saint, being a saint. Well, hold on, that's part of the problem. So we're gonna talk about the kingdom for a little bit, and then I'm gonna spend a good amount of time on what it means to be the saints, amen? Y'all good with that? Okay, so stay with me. First of all, kingdom. The kingdom of God is a different way of seeing everything that harmonizes and yields and submits to God's sovereign rule. That is simply the kingdom of God. I'm gonna say that again. Okay, y'all got that? Okay, no, you didn't get it, okay. It's, It's the ability to submit and see things the way they actually are under God's sovereign rule. It is the reflection or the expression of God's sovereign rule, how things will ultimately be the promise of the kingdom in our everyday lives. That is why Jesus revealed the kingdom to them and it was miraculous in its expression because the kingdom of God was bursting into their everyday reality. That is the kingdom of God. It's not this idea of just heaven one day, like that's how we think of the kingdom of God because we get the text backwards. The big storyline of scripture is not how we go live with God one day. It's actually how God comes and lives with us. Emmanuel, God with us. The progression of scripture is a story of intimacy. God for us in the Old Testament, God with us in Jesus, and God within us through the Holy Spirit. That is what the kingdom of God is all about. 
it moves into our everyday lives. It reclaims every space of us. The problem is we don't see the kingdom like that. We don't see ourselves like that. And how many of you know you don't see the world as it is, you see the world as you are? I'm gonna say that again. You don't see the world as it is, you see the world as you are. I shared this with the guys back in 2019, but I had a, I had a cataract surgery. Um, and yeah, y'all, y'all are right, I'm way too young to have a cataract, it's true, thank you. I was the youngest person there by at least 40 years, for the record. I had so much fun with that, it was a blast. Um, but I was actually born with a cataract. So my whole life, I've had a fog on my right lens, okay? So what they have to do when you have a cataract, for those of you who have no idea what a cataract is, it's a fog on your lens and they have to go in and they have to cut out your lens. Sorry for those of you who are eye squeamish. I was before this. Uh, Cut out your lens and they put in an artificial lens and that helps you see clearly, right? So my mom lost her eye to cancer when she was real young. So I've always been a bit leery of eye stuff. I mean, understandably. And so when the doctor first told me, this this is kind of funny story, I found out about the cataract when I was 15 in a clinic. Somehow I'd gone undiscovered that whole time. And the way the doctor phrased it to me made me think I was losing my eye. So I went home that day and I'm like, great, I'm gonna have to have my eye removed. And my mom explained to me that's not actually what was going on. But anyway, so I avoided cataract surgery for many years. Finally, when I was 30, my wife was like, hey, you know, you probably should do this. You know, you're going to see clearly through your right eye. You've been seeing through a fog your whole life. Like, let's, let's just do it. We've already spent an insane amount of stuff on medical this year. We've hit our deductible. Like, just go take care of it. Like, it's no big deal, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, no big deal. So I go into the doctor. I do the pre-op, all that kind of stuff. He's like, yeah, you know, it should be pretty straightforward. Great. We do that. I go in for the surgery. They put you under, they go in, they cut it out. You're halfway under. For those of you who had it, you know what I'm talking about. Cut it out, put a new one in. I leave, everything's fine, okay, everything's fine. Two days later, take the patch off, look at my eye in the mirror, and my, my pupils are two totally different sizes, like totally different sizes. And I'm looking, I'm like, that's not normal. I know that's not normal. I'm not an eye surgeon, but I'm pretty sure something is wrong. So I, so I call the surgeon toward the end of the day. He's like, oh yeah, you know, come on in, come on in, that's, that's strange. So I come in, he looks at it, he kind of pulls back, he looks at me, looks at it again, pulls back, and this one I'm like, oh, oh no. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm like, oh no, oh no. And he looks at me, he goes, hey, so um, you have a tear and you're leaking um, vitreous fluid and I'm concerned about retina detachment, so we need to stitch up this tear right now. And he goes, oh, and by the way, my anesthesiologist is left for the day. So I'm just going to get you numbed up, take you back to the operating table. There was like two people there. Everyone had left for the day. Operating table. We'll, we'll get this taken care of real quick. I'm like, excuse me? I'm like, are you kidding me right now? So somehow I made it through that. They numbed up my eye. They stitched it back. He had me like stare at something on the ceiling while he stitched it back together. Anyway, so that happened. Then, a week and a half later, there was another complication. Long story short, I ended up having four procedures 
over the course of like three and a half weeks. It was wonderful. Thanksgiving, we were supposed to go to Texas. That didn't happen. Um, it was an eventful few weeks. And so after all of these treatments, I'm sitting there with the doctor because I still can't see clearly through my right eye. So I've had four procedures, and the whole idea of having the cataract cut out was so that I could see clearly through my right eye, and it's like nothing has changed. It still looks like I'm looking through a fog. Okay, if, since y'all don't have a cataract, I'm gonna explain it to you. It's like if you're sitting in coach on a plane, and they have one of those like veils, you know, that they pull to separate you from first class. It's like looking through that, okay? That's, that's what it's like. And so I'm like, doctor, I don't get it. Why can't I see clearly? And he's like, Addison, I don't. And he's been so kind. Like he called me on Thanksgiving day to check on me. I mean, he's just, he knew like this, this had been traumatic. And he was like, hey, Addison, I'm sorry. There's just nothing more I can do for you. I was like, what? And he goes, yeah. He's like, your lens is perfectly clear. I can't make your lens more clear. I'm like, okay. And he goes, your brain is convinced that you still have a cataract. Not what I wanted to hear. Not what I wanted to hear. And it hit me in that moment. You don't see the world as it is. You see the world as you are. See, this is why Paul writes, having the eyes of your heart enlightened so you could understand the hope that belongs to the what? To the saints. You see, in Christ, we have new life. We are new creations. But many of us, we haven't woken up. We're not awake. We're still seeing the world through a fog. We don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. Now, the reality of being one of the saints is about how we see the world. It's about seeing the world through the kingdom. And I want to share four things with y'all tonight, four things that saints do, that saints participate in, that cultural Christians do not do, okay? All right, but before we dive in, I've got to dispel some notions of what a saint is. Number one, I want to make the point that if you study scripture, you will find that the word saint is used over 60 times in the New Testament. The word Christian is used three times. All three times it is used, it is used in a derogatory sense. Saints was the identifier of the church. It was what they identified as believers because they are holy ones. Literally, that's what it means, holy ones. Children of the holy one. So it's actually a family identifier. To be a saint is to be a child of the Holy One. So number one, I want to make that clear, okay? Number two, I want to point out that when Paul would call people saints, and we'll show you a few of these in a moment, let's just remember who he's writing to. He is writing to Gentile believers, people who previously were considered unholy, unworthy, outsiders, people who are just figuring out what it means to follow Jesus. And he's writing to them, saying, to the saints in Rome, to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Corinth, to the saints in Philippi. Why is he doing this? 
to awaken a new way of seeing themselves and also seeing the world. Another thing that I want to point out, because I know some of you, like, you're struggling with some religiosity when it comes to the word saints, and I get it. The other thing that I want to point out is that you will not find the word saint in Scripture. You only find the word saints. Because we, together, are the saints. It is a communal representation. It is a familial representation. Holiness is communal. It's what happens at the intersection of us and God and the intersection of us with each other. And so the idea of like St. Addison or St. David, that's not biblical. If you study the first few centuries of church history before it was institutionalized, that was the term used to identify the people of God. Then they changed it to mean something that feeds the elitism that's so nasty in religion. And only certain people who did certain things could be saints. But if you really study the scriptures, you will see that every single person, when Paul's writing these letters, every single one is included in the fold as saints. Why? Because Paul is speaking to a kingdom reality that must be awakened in their hearts. You see, if you read Daniel 7, Daniel 7 talks about how the kingdoms of this world, all the kingdoms of this world will be given to who? Given to the saints. There are so many promises throughout the Old Testament about how the saints are the people who will occupy and understand what it is to be people of the kingdom. Y'all, the enemy of your soul is terrified of that. He's terrified of us realizing who we are. He's terrified of us understanding the reality of holiness and what it is to be the children of God, and what that means for how we live our everyday lives. So what does he do? He says, hey, I'm gonna take this identifier, I'm going to confuse it, I'm going to move it over here, make it apply to only certain people, and the people of God are gonna miss out on what it means to be people of the kingdom. But I say no, <laughs> that's not cool. So number one, first point, y'all ready? You're going to see, JB was talking about this today, these first two in particular. Number one, saints. JB's my dad, in case y'all didn't pick that up. Saints deconstruct the barrier between the sacred and secular. Saints deconstruct the barrier between the sacred and secular. People deconstruct faith, deconstruct church, when we don't deconstruct the barrier between the sacred and secular. Remember what my dad said today about the number one reason why people are leaving the faith because they weren't living a life of calling and of purpose, this is the reason right here. We have not reclaimed every space as a moment and an opportunity for glory. We view our lives as like, yeah, we're just getting through Monday through Saturday and then maybe you know, something good happens on Sunday and what does that do? It allows us to live duplicitously. It allows us to be one person over here and another person over there, but the reality is, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, you are God's temple. Everywhere you go, you are a representation of the holy place, the meeting place where heaven is touching earth. That's what the temple is. It's the microcosm where God meets with people. That's what you're called to be. That's what you're called to do. But what happened is back to, after the enlightenment, we let secularism take the arts, 
entertainment, science, medicine. But y'all, if you study human history, the church, the saints were always the front runners in all of those areas. We need to reclaim that. That is a holy expression. Every moment is holy. I was asked to do the you version of the day, verse of the day, and it was 1 Corinthians 10, 31, which is, I love that verse. It's whatever you do, eating or drinking, do it for the glory of God or unto the glory of God. And what Paul's getting at here, specifically in 1 Corinthians, where he's gotten to in that letter, he's like, y'all need to understand, this is all pregnant with potential, with purpose. Y'all, what would happen to your families to your workplaces, to your marriages, if you believe this to be true. You see, the vision, Isaiah 11, 9, Habakkuk 2, 14, is the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the seas. That's where this is going. So to be people of the kingdom is to participate in that reality now. To start understanding that reality now, to start praying into that reality now. So that's number one, saints deconstruct the barrier between the sacred and secular. I had, a, I had a young man come up to me. I, I was doing this conference and it was a Q&A time. And he was like, hey, you know, I, I love playing my guitar. And I experience the presence of God when I play my guitar. But I, I feel guilty if I'm not singing songs that are worship songs. And I was just like, man, you're missing it. Like you playing that guitar in a way that honors God, that honors other people, is an expression of glory, is an expression of beauty. We can't let what is an expression of God be what we put, can put a sticker on or work a specific lyric into. It's so much bigger than that. All right, number two. Saints refuse to believe the mundane or everyday is meaningless. Now, JB was talking about this today too when he's talking about multiplication and the gifts that are on our lives. Every single moment is significant. See, with Jesus, when he invites us to die daily, do you know what he's actually telling us? He's saying, hey, I want you to have the perspective that comes with surrender today. I want you to understand what is most important today because you know that people on their deathbed, they know what's important. They know which relationships need to be restored. They know which opportunities were missed. They know what moments they should have savored. And God's saying, hey, 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 here's the thing. If you realize that every single day, no matter if it looks mundane or every day, like it's actually holy, it's full of purpose, it's full of promise, it's full of potential, then guess what? You're gonna see how to unlock the potential in the day. You're gonna see how to multiply the day. I was in Staples getting my TSA pre-check done and I was you know, sitting down and they were asking me all the questions that they asked you when you were getting a TCA, TSA pre-check done. And, and she, um, you know, she asked me what I did. I shared a bit about what I did and she kind of just looked up. She was probably 22, 23. She's like, oh man, that's so cool that you actually do something with your life, meaningful with your life. I just work at Staples. And y'all, I didn't know this girl. Like, I don't know her background, nothing. And I didn't even know what was coming out of my mouth until it came out of my mouth. I just said, that's a great lie of human existence. That's all I said. And she just looked at me 
And I looked at her and I was like, oh man, like I can't just say that. And so for the next like three, four minutes, I just shared with her about how God creates us and forms us. And how every single moment where there's an intersection of relationship has kingdom potential, has kingdom opportunity. I talked to her about the one who was the great servant who laid down his life because his is the name that is above every name. He could stoop the lowest and what that looks like and what that means for us. I just went off. Four minutes later, I stopped. Three, four minutes later, I stopped. And it's dead quiet. Like, she's looking at me. I'm looking at her. And I'm like, okay. All of a sudden, the tears start, right? Like, and then I kind of feel bad. I'm like, I don't even know this girl. And I just, like, we went there fast. And she just goes, thank you. I've never viewed my life like that. Y'all, we can't, we can't believe this. Your five-year-old needs you to not believe this. Your 12-year-old needs you to not believe this. You 20-year-olds out there, you need to not believe this. Refuse to believe the mundane or every day is meaningless, okay? Next one, number three. Saints live under the banner of our. Pastor Mark told me that y'all are in the, in the middle of a series about the body, is that right? Okay. Let me make something very clear. It takes a whole body to reveal a whole Christ. I'm gonna say that again. It takes a whole body to reveal a whole Christ. You see, when Jesus, and I shared this with the men, but y'all, all y'all need to hear this. When Jesus taught us to pray, he, to pray, he didn't say, hey, when you pray, pray my Father who is in heaven, forgive me my sins. No, he said, our Father, forgive us our sins. Live in the mystery of our. Live in the tension of our I'm going I'm to read something to y'all, so just so this, this sinks in. This is Ephesians. This is not in my notes, but I feel like I'm supposed to read it. This is Ephesians, uh, let's see here, 3.14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Otherwise, Paul is saying, like, this is such an incredible reality that I need to get on my knees. that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. You, you catching this? With all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you understand the context? We'll throw that out there. It's a really nice verse. The context is the mystery of our. The context is the power of our. You see, when you study the book of Revelation, you see where this is going. You see distinct tribes, tongues, peoples represented in the presence of God. Those distinctions haven't gone away. There is beauty in the distinction. There is dignity in the difference. When Jesus prays John 17 for the unity, he's praying for a unity that only comes through embracing the otherness of God's good creation. 
Saints get this. And because they get this, they're willing to navigate the tension. They're willing to pray for their enemies. They're willing to do good to those who don't do good to them. They realize that if we truly are going to be people of the Spirit, that we need to be willing to pray in the reality of our. This is our banner. This is our God. That person out there who doesn't vote like you, look like you, act like you, talk like you, that's not your enemy. That's your mission. That's your mission. There's only one time in scripture where we see the idea of enemies of the cross. It's in Philippians 3. I don't have time to get into that now. But it's the people who profess to be followers of the way, but reject the reality of the way. When we see the kingdom reality burst forth in Jesus' life, in Stephen's life, the first martyr, the first one to actually give his life for the reality of the kingdom, Stephen, the one who Jesus stands for. Y'all, y'all get that, right? He's, Jesus stood for Stephen. What did he do? He prayed for the people who killed him for forgiveness right after he refuted them and destroyed their arguments, <laughs> made them look silly. He prayed for them. We've got to be people of the tension. Saints live under the banner of our. See, the enemies play is not just disunity, it's pseudo-unity. So if God's play is unity, the enemy's play is pseudo-unity, a cheap, artificial unity. And so we have to be discerning as the people of God. We have to be people led by the Spirit, which leads me into the fourth point. Saints are people of prayer. You know, there's this, there's this moment in Luke's gospel, I love it, okay? Gabriel shows up and he's like, what's up people, I'm Gabriel. I have some great news. And then he describes himself. And I love how he describes himself. He could have described himself so many ways. He could have said, hey, I've delivered some incredible messages over the years. He could have said, I am super powerful and awesome, like one of the archangels or whatever, like he could have. But what does he say? I stand in the presence of God. I stand in the presence of God. And because I stand in the presence of God, I have news that you need to hear. You see, the world needs the news that we have. But they need us to stand in the presence of God. So we have the heart, we have the nuance, we have the authority to speak the word, not just so we can validate ourselves and make ourselves feel better, but that we can cut and divide and speak truth in ways that they can hear. There's this sobering passage in Jeremiah 23, verses 21 through 24. I'm going I'm to read it. I don't, I don't think I sent it to them. But listen to this. And a bit of context. So things are not going well for the people of God in Jeremiah 23, okay? They're in exile, and people are trying to, like, make sense of the moment. 
So all sorts of people are releasing a perspective about what needs to be done, okay? And Jeremiah comes on the scene and he's speaking the voice of God. Listen to this, this is very sobering. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, I stand in the presence of God. If they would have stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people and they would have turned from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Y'all, there is evil in this world. There is a deep darkness. Postmodernism folded in on itself the idea that truth is just subjective because that is an objective statement in and of itself, so it's a contradiction. Folded in on itself. Now we have post-postmodernism, which completely redefines truth. And it honestly takes everything that is nasty and ugly about religion, and it takes it and multiplies it by 10. This is an evil agenda. These are evil times. But we are not going to have the words that cut. We will not have the discernment that we need to have for the moment. We will still speak yesterday's word that's not specific to today. We will not have the manna for today if we do not stand in the presence of God. If we are not God conscious. And y'all, honestly, we have to ask ourselves, are we okay with the kingdom expression being what it is? Or do we believe that the kingdom of God is supposed to overcome or overwhelm or define every single kingdom of this world? When you look at Ephesians 4, and my dad, he was getting at this today, it's the responsibility of the church, the ecclesia, to equip what? The? The? For the work of the ministry. The saints for the work of the ministry. Remember what my dad said about ministry is simply what you do. It's what God, it's the charisma that God has placed on your life. It's wherever that takes you, whatever intersection that looks like. We need to wake up. We need to see clearly. Y'all, even the woke agenda is just a perversion of the need for us to wake up. We need to wake up. We need to say, Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see. We're not okay with just being an echo chamber. We're not okay with just letting out powerless platitudes that we don't even really understand. Like we wanna wrestle with your heart. We wanna understand your heart for people. You look at Ephesians 6 and Paul's describing spiritual warfare and what we need to do to prepare us, the people of God, We're to pray against the dark powers, cosmic powers. These people, they're not our enemy. There's an enemy behind them that must be defeated. The keys of the kingdom have been entrusted to us. 
Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, hey, go and breathe out the reality of the kingdom. And then he told them, go stay in a room and wait for the power of my spirit, the clarity of my spirit to come and fall on you. And by doing so, I'm gonna connect you with nations and peoples, languages that you don't even know how to speak. I'm gonna give you words to speak those languages. I'm gonna give you the ability to overcome contextual and cultural nuance. I'm gonna give you everything that you need to declare the truth of the eternal kingdom of God. That is what it is to be the saints. And this is only received through grace, through faith, through prayer, through repentance, through acknowledging God, we don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. So transform us. We don't wanna wake up in the next lifetime, we wanna wake up now. Like there's people here now who need us to wake up now. Give us eyes to see. If y'all could stand with me. For those of you who are here this morning, I know my dad's message, that, that, that's weighty. What he talked about today is weighty. And it's really tempting to make that about your own strength, your own power. But the reality is there is a grace, there is a perspective that in a moment can change everything about your life. An idea, a relationship, an opportunity. The question is, will you have the faith? Will the heart, the eyes of your heart be enlightened? Will you be able to see it? In order for us to see it, in order for us to be people who multiply, we need to realize that it's our responsibility to deconstruct the barriers between sacred and secular. Ideas will come when we refuse to believe the mundane is meaningless. We will see ways to serve people and create value when we realize that we live under the banner of our. And the Holy Spirit will guide us into those opportunities that we can't see right now. We are people of prayer. So I ask you to do something so simple tonight. Just say, Holy Spirit, give me eyes to see what I can't see. And just close your eyes and make it personal. Repent. People make repentance a bad thing. It's such a gift. Repentance is simply saying, I don't see it right. I don't get it all. There's more. That's why the kingdom of God, the invitation to the kingdom of God begins with repentance. I am not Lord. And since you are Lord, you get to tell me how things actually are. And there's freedom in that. So repent. Speak out those things that have kept you from embracing the sight that God has for you. I believe that there's fresh vision for so many families in here, so many businesses, so many relationships, 
that will be unlocked. And the Father wants to do that. The Father wants to give it to you. Will you trust him? Will you let go of the old paradigms, of the old way of seeing things that have kept you from embracing the dangerous truth of the kingdom of God? This gospel is never supposed to be quote unquote safe. It is dangerous. It is disruptive. But it is sure. It is perfect. It is everything that we desire. There are people in your lives, I I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna show you faces, names, people in your lives. You know who they are. I want you to say yes to what the Spirit of God is asking you to do in those relationships and for those relationships. Healing in the name of Jesus. Breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Reconciliation in the name of Jesus. Clarity in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Father, I ask for a greater measure of your grace, your empowering presence, your ability to do what we otherwise couldn't do in our own ability. I ask that that would fall on every single one of us. That we would have a fresh revelation of what it is to be people of the kingdom. And Father, I pray that the ripple effects of that revelation, that they would go into every space represented here. I ask for testimonies, I ask for miracles God, I thank you that your principles, the ways of your kingdom, they are true, they are permanent, they are eternal. And I pray that a holy confidence would rise up in the saints to do what you are asking them to do, to obey the leading of your spirit. six he said when the eye is good the body is good when the eye is bad the body is full of darkness father we want to see through the light of your kingdom
But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So be it, Lord. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Father, fill us with your heart. Fill us with your strength as we go into this week, as we go into this month. Fill us with your heart. Fill us with your strength. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring the things that I've said that are of you, that are specific to specific people here. I pray that you would remind them of those words, those verses in the days ahead. We want to see more of your kingdom reality. thank you that you have made it your aim to dwell with us, that we can live in this place of union and harmony with you, seeing things as you see them. You told us it's better for, for us, and for now, in this age, that you go away because your spirit would come. Holy Spirit, we repent for not being led by you, for not listening to you, for not inviting you into every area of our lives. We say come, come now, come then, come always. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I really don't like, I'm really bad at this, but I'm gonna do it because I spent a lot of time on this. I have a book, it's called Saints, Becoming More Than Christians. Um, it's a nice spoke to you. I encourage you to grab it, read it, go through it. I only share bits and pieces. Actually, I shared a lot of things that aren't even in this book. But I believe that this, this message can become a banner message for a generation. In a post-Christian world, I believe that the people of God can wake up and understand what it is to be people of the kingdom. But I wanna give this one away. So, someone over here, one of these young, okay. All right, your hand went up first, you're getting it. Here you go. What's your name? Layla. Layla. Here you go, Layla. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Pastor Mark, Pastor Tasha, it's been such a joy and honor to be here, to be a part of this moment. Thank you for being kingdom people. Thank you for having a vision for this space that has required you to serve and lead the way that you serve and lead. And uh, I'm so thankful for the influence, the opportunity, the relationships that God has entrusted to this house because this is a kingdom church. This is a church that very much is about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And I honor you for that and I thank you. I know that's scary, I know that's dangerous, I know that comes with all sorts of things, but thank you. Thank you for being leaders who lead in kingdom style. Amen. All right. Love y'all. Thank you.
Thank you, Addison. Y'all can be seated. Thank you for not just making this a stop on itinerary, but really praying and, and formulating what God's given you for this time. So, I, I mean, I've been talking to Addison, and uh, yeah, he, he told the men, he said, I have been praying for you specifically. He's been praying about these meetings for you. And so, you know, they... They've got a lot to do in Messenger International, and so it's not really was like I need to fill up my traveling schedule with all that they have. Uh, I believe God divinely set this up. I mean, I know, you know, sometimes you know something, uh, but you don't know. I've been incredibly excited about these meetings on the inside, you know, knowing we're, we, all of our people who are helping, there's a lot of work that's going to go in, involved in, in the, you know, the number of meetings, but incredibly excited about what God wants to do. And then you, you know, you close the meeting. You're like, man, now I know I was, why I was so excited about the meetings because I believe that just transformative uh, words. And so, you know, there, as we say, you know, take this and don't just go, oh, those are good meetings. There's, there's a lot here to unpack that God will open up and reveal to you. Um, but, I'm not going to go into that because he just prayed that for you and the Holy Spirit's going to be working in you. But we do we just want to end and, and really show that honor. Uh, uh, somebody, you know, I, I won't spend a lot of time, but I really feel this, you know, when Addison came a couple years ago to uh, uh, do the men's conference, this really spoke to me. I, I knew that he, of his humility. I also knew of his gift. We'd gotten to know each other, but... He had just come from a, a huge conference, and uh, he sat down and talked to me. I'm like, man, that is super exciting. And he said, God, he said he stepped off, and God spoke to him and said something to this effect. This is probably not it, but something to this effect. You feel pretty good about this, don't you? And, man, God spoke to him, and he just said, I went, and in all that humbled myself. As big as it was, as exciting, he said, man, I'm here because God put me here. It's an awesome thing. And he humbled himself, and I thought at that moment, man, God's going to do huge things because of how you honored God in opportunity. And uh, that ministered to my heart. Um, and, and we got to just experience that because of his humility. His humility. And he was able to just drop stuff in your heart that's life-changing. So thank you for that. Amen. Well, we want to. We were taught the word, weren't we? So uh, we want to communicate uh, with Addison, who taught the word, who gave us something that is going to work. It's going to equip us, uh, strengthen us, right? Uh, cause us to really look and see our in a different way, which will enhance everything about our lives when it becomes our. And uh, God does that, and He says, "I'm doing something bigger, eternal." Uh, you know, whatever. I love that we get to go in in our life and we just think it's mundane and, and meaningless, you know, when something and that we refuse to think that, that whatever we're doing in the day is important. And so God puts something. So every day when you're like, this isn't meaningless, this is eternal, that seed's planted in you. And so it's eternal. And God says, you know, again, 
I'm being repetitive, but every time we hear the word, every time God puts somebody to share the word with us, it says do a, do a value judgment of what I've just received, and I can communicate back with them something that's important to me, but it's really lesser than what I just received, but it creates a divine exchange where it opens up for God to even do more because even uh, giving in an offering from receiving the word has honor attached to it. Amen? And so if you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, uh, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. Um, if you're giving by text, the number is up there. Ooh, man. Glory to God. It's just what he said. Don't you just feel like full and clean and wonderful? Don't you? <laughs> God is just so wonderful, man. Praise the Lord. And so if you're watching online, you can get involved uh, with us in giving and receiving. Uh, if you've been there, you've been receiving. Uh, receive the anointing uh, through that, even as he prayed for you, so you can get involved. Giving tab uh, on our website or the text number there. Uh, praise the Lord. We appreciate you. And again, we thank you for coming. I, you know, it's just your supply it's our, your supply when you came tonight, your expectancy helped every single person uh, in this room. And so we all come together in that way. Amen. Father, we just thank you. We praise you uh, for what you've done uh, so wonderfully, what only you can do this weekend in the hearts of people. Things of eternal value, things that will transform our lives uh, things that will equip us. So we thank you for that. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to communicate back to the teacher with good things that you've blessed us with. And Father, I command the blessings of the word of God upon each and every one as they give. God, I declare over them that you supply their every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to pass those buckets. Just to let you know, if you haven't gotten uh, his book, Saints, and they also have other materials, they're in uh, where the bookstore used to be um, before we moved it on that side. They're there. So if you go out that door, you may think, where, is, where are the books? They're over here. And so avail yourself to those materials. Again, you can get Messenger X uh, by... Uh, putting your camera up to the QR code. Uh, that is awesome. Messenger X is awesome. I, I also want to tell you that you all, when you start to get on Me Messenger X and look at that, you all help pay for Messenger X, right? Uh, our giving and connecting, you did that. You can go ahead and clap. You can praise the Lord. And so you get to get in on it, but you'll see how it is affecting the nation's of the world. It's, it's just amazing. Um, we've been able to be a part of that, just that process and hearing of the development and what God's doing until it came online and uh, um, awesome. So get that. You'll see how awesome it is, but you can also say, man, thank you, Lord, for giving us a part to be connected with that. Why don't you stand up? Say this we go. What God did in Christ Jesus, far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall.
You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.